Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, we being Nehemiah and his team, he was furious and indignant and he mocked us. He spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these wimpy, weak, feeble Jews doing? By the way, the Bible says the most feeble was like David. Not a bad, feeble guy. (laughs) Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned? Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. He said, whatever they build, even if a fox climbs up on it, he'll break down their little pitiful wall. So then Nehemiah began to pray. Hear, O our God. For we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. Today, by the help of the Lord, I feel a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement. In case you're wondering, my spiritual gift is exhorter. Exhorters are always ready now to go do something. They don't always figure everything out. They figure it out on their way to get it done. What you do out nodding your head about, Charlie Nation? <laughs> he knows exactly. Yeah. Exhorters are ready to go charge hell with two squirt guns and go bear hunting with a stick. Amen. And I'm ready to go today. I'm ready to go. I have a word from the Lord of exhortation. My subject today is the final score. The final score. Nobody remembers the score at halftime, but we all remember the final score. Everybody say the final score. Everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. May be seated. That was a nice amen. By the way, we are sending off extraordinary missionaries. Brother and Sister Stephen Nix are leaving tomorrow for Nicaragua. This is a decision deferred because of COVID for over one year. But during this last year, they have become endeared to the heart of the Life Church. And uh, I want us to just send them with a prayer right now. Where's Brother Nix? Oh, he's back serving in the, he's broadcasting us around the world. I want us to lift up a mighty voice for brother and sister Nix, that God will protect them, send them to Nicaragua. Amen. That his sure hand will be upon them, Lord, right now. 
In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for Brother and Sister Nick's, their faithful labors. Lord, now, Lord, go with them, provide for them, keep them, protect them, give them health, give them strength. Lord, may disciples be made, may the nation be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We send them with all of the blessings, the favor, and the support of this church. And our prayers go with them in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. And they will be there for a year or so. And then they are coming back to Kansas City to make the Life Church their permanent house of worship. (laughs) We're super excited about that. So in this text, Nehemiah and his team are at the halfway mark. And how many's ever been involved in a project and you get about halfway done and things just bog down? It can be a discouraging time. And I'm just not going to sneak up on anybody today. I'm coming against discouragement. Anybody that's discouraged today, Lend me your ears. Amen. The start of a great project is exciting. A lot of momentum. People are thinking about possibilities, anticipating a new reality. And Ecclesiastes 8, 7 says that finishing a thing is better even than starting a thing. But something can happen in the process Perhaps around half the project is done, that things can bog down and people can become discouraged, and perhaps the project becomes unfinished forever. I'm amazed at the Life Church. I'm amazed at you people. You people are my heroes because. This finishing strong project, which is more than brick and mortar, it's more than carpet and chairs, it's more than lights and drop ceilings, amen. It's about people, it's about disciples, it's about training the next generation, amen. It's about building a worship center for our children and their children, amen. It's about expanding this sanctuary for another 350 disciples. And I'm not sure what's going to happen when we do that, but maybe for a while at least we can go back to one service. Wouldn't that be sort of fun? I don't know if it'll ever happen or not. But here's what I know, that any time you try to do something good, something great, there's going to be uh, discouragement along the way. There's going to be challenges Along the way, but I'm excited because you keep me encouraged. Your giving says, Pastor, we're with you. We're going to do this thing. We're not going to drop the ball. We're going to make this happen. And we've already witnessed that today. There's even people that haven't set foot in this sanctuary yet that are voting for this project with their finance. They're writing checks, they're giving to it. There's people beyond the walls of this campus. Amen. Listen, 20 years ago, this congregation decided to do something, amen, special. And had they not decided to do it, I don't know who would own these 83 acres. I don't know what would be on this hill. But I'm glad to tell you that on this hill today, there's a lighthouse. There's a message being preached. People's lives are being changed. Amen. We are making a difference. In fact, while we were worshiping the Lord, 
today in that first song. I just had a sense that worship is going beyond these walls and praise is going beyond these walls. I sort of felt like a butterfly effect. They say the butterfly can flap his wings over in Africa and start a wind of current going and it can sweep across the ocean and even reap across a continent. And I sort of feel like whatever you're doing for God today is making a difference. Amen. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm an island all by myself. No, you're not. Hallelujah. Just waving your hand can touch somebody's life. Just shouting hallelujah can encourage somebody else. Amen. Just waving your hand. Amen. Once in a while to the Lord can make a difference in somebody's life. Amen. I can tell you that after a few years of experience that everything you try to do for God will be challenged. Nothing that we attempt for the kingdom of God is easy. There's just normal stuff that happens. Calendar stuff and financial stuff and, and, and family stuff and things happen and things get in the way. In fact, uh, last Sunday, uh, Brother Donnie and Sister Lelania and their daughters, uh, Caitlin and Adrian, were on their way to church. They're on their way to church and they get T-boned. And their vehicle was totaled. Wave your hand, Brother Donnie, so everybody knows who there he is right there. Thank God they had their seatbelts on. Amen. Thank God they were being sensible. Did the devil do that? I don't know. It might have just been life, but they were on their way to church. Good news is they got a new car out of it, so praise God. <laughs> new to them anyway. <laughs> He buys cars like I buy cars. Get a few miles on them. Let somebody else take the depreciation hit. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for his hand. It could have, they could have been in the hospital. That Somebody could have died. They were, it was a direct hit. Somebody ran a stop sign, right? Somebody ran a stop sign. And so thank God for his hand of protection. Praise God. So whatever you're trying to do, great or small, you're, a, you're in for a battle. Turn to somebody and say, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> this is exactly what's happening in Nehemiah's life in this particular text. Nehemiah has a compelling vision. Let's go do something for God. Let's build back the city of Jerusalem, the holy city. Let's rebuild the walls. Let's bring protection and, 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 and peace to the people of God and let's invite all the Jews from the four corners of the world who were scattered at the dis, at the diaspora let's we want them to come back and and there's going to be a good report and this is a compelling vision and and in fact God has stirred up his heart to do this God is on his side God is is working for him this isn't his brainchild it's what God is just has put in his heart to do and not only that but he has the backing of his boss the king of Shushan and he's got letters to give him safe passage. And he's got a treasure chest of provision that the king has given him. He's assembled a team. He's taken a preliminary journey to assess the challenge, to have prayer and develop a plan. And then the construction begins. The wall's going up. They're mixing the mortar Dust is everywhere. They're setting the stones. It's all going on. But something happened at halfway point. 
Something happened at the halfway point. Verse 6, we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half. Everybody say half. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, that's about where it happens. Yeah, halfway point. The people had a mind to work, but something happened. Nehemiah and the builders of the wall are doing great. There's excitement. They're working hard. And then they hit the wall. Here they are trying to do something for God. Bless the city. Bless the community. Fortify the people. Encourage the families. And what do they get for it? Criticized. Attacked. Kicked in the teeth. Made fun of. And isn't it true? That there's always going to be somebody in your life telling you why you can't, won't, shouldn't. It'll never happen. Amen. Can I tell you something? When you start moving forward, you're going to start making somebody look bad. When you start making progress, you're going to stir up the enemy. Either a carnal human enemy or a spiritual enemy. Everything that you are reaching for right now in your life, if it's going to glorify God, you are going to be challenged every mile marker, every step of the way. The hill to success in the kingdom of God is never downhill. It's always uphill. But we have the promise from the Lord who will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. He will be with us. Amen. In the good times and in the bad times, greater is he that is in us than the he that is in the world. Sanballat and a Samaritan and Tobiah an Ammonite and Gershom, an Arab, they're enjoying their little sniveling, pitiful lives until Nehemiah comes along with this compelling vision and he's threatening them, not personally, not literally, but his mission is a threat. These guys are squatters. They're illegal interlopers. They're territorial. They liked having the city of Jerusalem broken down. They liked having the walls in disrepair. You know what? An unclean spirit never likes it clean. An unclean spirit never likes it orderly. Amen. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The devil can't build anything. Amen. Only God is a builder. The devil tears down lives and God builds them back up. Hallelujah. The devil steals and God restores. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful he's that kind of a God. God never tore anybody down. God never destroyed anybody because of his love and his mercy and his grace. Amen. And so here's these losers criticizing, attacking. The last thing they wanted was for Nehemiah to succeed and repair the city and restore the walls and bring order where there was chaos and bring holiness and the presence of God where there was none. So they resisted Nehemiah and they used criticism and bullying and threats and jokes and humiliation. Amen. And don't miss the fact then Sanballat was from Samaria, which was north of Jerusalem. And Tobiah was from Ammon, which was east of Jerusalem. 
and Gershom, their partner in crime, was from the Arabian Peninsula south of Jerusalem and the Mediterranean Sea on the west. They're between the devil all around them and the deep blue sea. They're surrounded by the enemy, sort of like Israel still is today, surrounded by the enemy. Let me tell you something. If God promises you something, it's going to come to pass. It doesn't matter if the enemy's north of you, south of you, east of you. You have no wiggle room. You can't go anywhere. If God said it, it's going to happen. And even today, amen, Israel is surrounded by their enemies and they will not be destroyed. Woe be unto that nation that comes against the people of God and the sons of Abraham. God is going to fight for them. God will send the captain of the angel host to defend them and they will fight for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. They're getting angry. Why? Because they're nervous. Guys, we're losing control here. We're going to lose our our influence. We're going to lose our territory. And so they conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. And I feel God right now. When the enemy comes in, here's the debate. The next verse says, like a flood. The debate is, is the enemy like a flood? Or when God comes in, does he come in like a flood? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. I'm just going to interpret that the way I want to interpret Amen. Sometimes it does feel like the enemy comes in like a flood. But I'm telling you, we serve a God, amen, who can stir up a tsunami of faith, uh, amen, of weaponry, of power. Hallelujah. Amen. When the enemy comes in, God's going to raise up a standard. God's going to fight for you. God's going to defend you. God's going to protect you. God's going to help you accomplish whatever he has put in your heart to do. I say the flood is the spirit of the Lord. (laughs) Sanballat and Tobiah's goal was not to take them on in a battlefield, but their goal was like to operate like terrorists. You never see a terrorist. They don't have a uniform. They don't come out and fight like men. They're hiding behind this and you know, sneaking up here and there. Surprise attacks. They didn't want to confront Nehemiah in a battle. They just wanted to create confusion and discouragement so that they would defeat themselves. Friends, this is how the enemy works. This is exactly what the devil does. He'll try to do it in your family. 
He'll try to do it in your marriage. He'll try to do it in the congregation. He'll try to do it maybe in a ministry or two in the church. Amen. All that Billy Cole said, all the devil has to do is sow a seed of criticism or confusion in the church and then he doesn't have to touch it because for six months they're going to be messed up fighting with each other. I'm here to declare that God is not the author of confusion. And if you feel confused today, that is not from God and you can rise up and stand against it and say my God is not a God of confusion but he's a God of order he's a God of direction he will give me a word he will speak to me about what he wants me to do come on God's got a word for you today God's going to blow that confusion away hallelujah amen I've come to fight a fight against confusion today and discouragement. Just about anything you do for God will be challenged. So don't wait for things to get perfect before you get started. <laughs> Come on, don't wait for it to get perfect. Oh no, there's never going to be a perfect time. Michaela introduced me to a guy at Nissan that is, was fixing her car, service tech. He's about my age. And uh, next thing I know, I'm in his house, and he's asking me, me about the flood. And I'm like, this might be a cue card. He might want a Bible study. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this isn't a good time. I'm really in a busy season of my life right now. I'm super busy. Last thing I have is one more night. I've already got two nights dedicated, and some of my disciples are out here, and we haven't met in a month or more. Just been running and going and stuff happening. And we've got three, three connect groups going. And I'm like, this isn't a good time. The next thing I know, I say, well, I'll be here Tuesday night at 730 and we'll have a Bible study on the flood. Listen, there's never going to be a good time. I can look at my calendar and say, I'm busy for the next six months. But you know what? Today is the day of salvation. And now is the appointed time. And don't wait until all the ducks line up. Don't wait till you get everything perfect. Just go ahead and get back up on the wall and start building something for God. <laughs> now, I know some of you enjoy hiking and climbing. More power to you. The only thing I've climbed in the last 10 years is a hot fudge Sunday. <laughs> I read about a destination mountain climbing expedition, uh, a mountain. And uh, it's snow-capped. There's a tree line. And there's a cabin, sort of a lodge at tree line that's called Halfway House. And here at Halfway House, they're halfway up the mountain. And inside, there's a roaring fireplace and hot chocolate, refreshments, donuts, comfortable couches and chairs, getting out of the wind feeling the security and the warmth of the fire. One of the workers at the house 
who had watched many climbing parties through the years, noticed a reoccurring phenomenon. He said that in almost every case, when the climbing party reached halfway house and they came inside, when it was time to go and finish the climb, they divided into two groups. Some would say, all right, let's go. Let's go take the mountain. And others would say, boy, this hot chocolate's tasting mighty good. That fire sure is looking nice. There's big comfortable chairs and couches. And so they split about in the middle. Some would linger and get comfortable and decide not to continue the journey. While others went back out into the elements and pressed on to climb the summit. This employee said that those who stayed behind offered many excuses why they could not or would not finish. They were tired. They were happy with themselves for going this far. Their breathing was getting a little labored. You know, they're worried about sucking air on the rest of the journey. They didn't want to get back out in the cold. They were enjoying rest and relaxation. So as the other group pulled their hats and gloves on, began to brave the elements and wave goodbye, there was joking and taunting and, and goodbyes. And then the halfway house worker said that those who stayed back would stare out the big picture window and watch them as they would single file trek up through the snow and he said the closer they got to the top the more quiet those who stayed behind became and then they became restless and 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 they would talk to each other a little bit I wonder how they're doing I wonder how Joe's doing I wonder how Sally's making it they're measuring the progress of their comrades and they talked about how they might be feeling at that time and they wondered if they would make it and then suddenly as they reached the summit, those who stayed behind became melancholy and very quiet and almost seemed like they went to their own corners to wait. In a couple hours, the party that finished the climb came back, burst into halfway house. They're brushing the snow and the cold off their arms and, and they're grabbing the hot chocolate and, and they're telling their stories and they're excited and they finished the journey and those who did not take it tried to buy into their excitement and their enthusiasm. But despite their best efforts, it just wasn't the same knowing that they themselves did not finish the climb. My brothers and sisters, the road to success in the kingdom of God is uphill all the way. Every project, every pursuit, every plan worthwhile will be challenged. There will be battles. There will be obstacles. There will be opposition. And there will always be a halfway house. And I'm preaching to somebody who's camping out in halfway house right now. I'm preaching to somebody who's got discouraged, who's comfortable, who feels like you've done a pretty good job, but are just sort of caving in right now. COVID has sort of fatigued you and knocked you down and kicked you for falling. And, and you're just kind of chilling with some of your prayer life and, and reaching lost people and spending time in the word of God and discipling your children or your grandchildren. And God sent a preacher to you today and tell you it's time to get back up. Amen. It's time, amen, to put down the hot chocolate. There's a mountain that's calling you. There's a challenge that's beckoning you to come. Don't quit, amen, 
until you finish the job. Don't give up because God is going to be with us. The Bible said, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There will always be a halfway house. There will always be a place to stop, chill, celebrate. I think you know some of those who never went beyond halfway house. The Bible said Demas was converted, discipled by Paul. He himself made his own disciples. He helped Paul start churches. He served in prison alongside Paul while he's writing scripture. But Demas stopped at halfway house. He fell back in love with the world that God delivered him from and called him out of. And Paul said, he has forsaken me. It's Lot's wife, Lot's wife, who was leaving the city. God was pouring out judgment and it was falling. And she's holding with one hand onto an angel and the other hand is in her husband's hand and her daughters are beside her and she's escaping and she's leaving but inexplicably she stops and she turns around and she looks back and the Bible said at her halfway house she was turned into a pillar of salt. Perhaps it's Agrippa who heard the greatest preacher of the last half of the first century. He's on his way to conversion. Paul's giving him the gospel. He's ready to buy it. He's ready to obey it. He's ready to cash in with the Christians. And at halfway house, he says, you have almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And he stopped climbing. And he walks out of the Bible. Jesus described those who settle in at halfway house when he talked about one-mile Christians in a two-mile world. He talked about the one who put his hand to the plow, but he's now looking back at halfway house, and he's not fit for the kingdom. He talked about the one talented man who went and hid and did not invest his master's investment in him he talked about the five foolish virgins who had no oil to burn through the last half of the night and at midnight their oil went out and they were not ready for the coming of the bridegroom oh my brothers and sisters don't stay at halfway house go ahead and rest but get back up go ahead and stop for a moment catch your breath but don't lose your focus take a break but travel on Celebrate how far you've come, but don't stop climbing. Hallelujah. Nobody remembers the score at halftime. It's how you finish that matters. Amen. David would say something like this. All I've got is a sling and a few stones, but I'm going after a giant today. Shamgar would say, all I've got is an ox goad, but I'm going to do what I can to deliver Israel. I'm tired of watching the Philistines. Every time I stack up a sheave of wheat, they come and take it. I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. I don't have a bow and arrow. All I've got is this ox goad, which is like a cattle prod. And he said, I'm going to stand in my field today, and whether I die or live, I'm not going to let them come in here one more day without a fight. And before the sun went down, there were piled up 600 Philistines that that suffered at the hand, amen, of Shamgar, a farmer. He didn't stop at halfway house. Gideon started out the day with 32,000, 
At the end of the day, all he had was 300 with trumpets and torches. But God gave them a mighty deliverance. What I'm saying is don't wait until you got it all figured out. Don't wait till your ship comes in. Swim out to it. And while you're swimming out to it, God could do something amazing. I have a video I want to show you that if you want to know anything about my life, this exactly explains my life. This is how I do business for God. Okay, ready? Roll the tape. Oh, we got to have this. This is too good. Oops. I'm waiting. I'm not passing this up. That explains everything. She don't know what she's doing. She's way over her head. She can't even carry that purse. You could put 25 of those inside that basket, but she thinks she's in charge. She thinks she knows where she's going. But thank God, Mama is right there beside her. Amen. That explains my life perfectly. I'm most of the time so far over my head. I'm so out in the deep end. I think I got it together, and I don't have anything together. Amen. I think I know what I'm doing, and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Am I preaching to anybody here today that knows what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen. If that's how you feel, you're in good company because that's how Paul lived his life. In Philippians chapter 3, he said, I'm still trying to get a hold of the thing that got a hold of me. I don't know if I'm pushing this cart or if it's pulling me. I have no idea. All I know is that I'm moving forward and whatever God's going to give me, he can put it in the basket. Whatever I need, uh, he's got the money. The purse is right there. He can put it in my cart and he will check me out. If God orders it, he will pay for it. Praise God. Is this keyboard still on? Come here, Ethan. Play chopsticks. Oh, you can make it up. Does anybody here know how to play chopsticks? You're no help. That's terrible. You're fired. <laughs> Just for now, Ethan always does an awesome job. We're coming to you live from the Life Church. So there's this mother, and she takes her eight-year-old kid to hear the great Ignace Paderewski in an auditorium for a command performance. He's a world-class pianist, and people come from all over the world to hear him. And the mother gets distracted and she's talking to people. She's on the front row with her eight-year-old son and she's talking to people behind her. Little does she know her son slips off. He walks up on the stage. He's amazed at this beautiful black grand piano. He sits down and he starts playing with two fingers. Chopsticks. True story. Suddenly the mother whips her head around. She's totally embarrassed. She's getting up out of her chair. She's going to shut this thing down and... 
Paderewski comes out from behind the curtain. He sees the mother. He stops her. He shushes her. He walks up behind the eight-year-old and he whispers in his ear, keep playing. Don't stop. Keep playing. And so the little boy looks up and he just keeps two-fingering it. And pretty soon, Paderewski's right hand comes around on the upper keys and his left hand comes around on the lower keys. And before you know it, the entire audience is treated to a concert of chopsticks like they've never heard it played before. And that sort of sounds like me. And that really sounds a whole lot like you. We're two fingering it on this journey of life. There's 88 keys and we don't know what to do with any but two of them. But I'm telling you, God can make beautiful music with you. If you'll just keep playing your song, if you'll just keep doing your part, if you won't quit, if you won't stop, hallelujah, you'll feel one arm around this side then another arm around that side that's how I live my life oh God I'm reaching for something I can't do it I'm climbing a hill I can't make it I can't do it without him Paul said as you may be seated he said I'm still trying to get a hold of the thing that got a hold of me. Hallelujah. D.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, make big plans. Amen. Don't stop at halfway house. Paul refused to stop. Ethan, would you please come? Thank you. <laughs> He's going to play what he knows he can play this time. Paul's writing his own epitaph. Listen to the words he uses. He says, I kept. In other words, I didn't quit. He said, I finished. He said, I started, but then I finished. He said, I'm ready. It wasn't perfect. He's in a prison, but he's ready. He said, I offered myself. I poured my life out. I didn't stop at halfway house. What was Paul's secret? I'll tell you what it was. It's Philippians 3.10. That I may know him. That I may know him. Do you want to know him? Come on, do you want to know him? Do you want to walk with him? He is life's greatest pursuit. He is life's highest Heal. He is life's greatest prize to know him. Think about it. Paul's walked with him for 30 years. Paul's planted churches. He's opened up continents. He's, he's seen miracles. He's cast out devils. He's, he's written over half of the New Testament. And he says, I'm still climbing. I'm still reaching for him. You know, I was preaching in South Bend, Indiana, and the spring of 1988, I met a man in that church. He was elderly. He introduced himself to me. I don't remember his name. I wish I did. And he, uh, he said, young man, I was 31. He said, young man, I'm 82 years old, and I'm still after it. His pastor was standing right there. I said to his pastor, I said, whatever he's drinking, I want some of it. 
<laughs> I'm 82, and I'm still after it. Praise God. I'm like David. I was young, and now I'm old. When I was 24, I was after it. When I was 34, I was after it. I was 44 and after it, 54 and after it. I'm 64, and I'm still after it. I haven't attained it. I'm still pouring my life out. I'm still reaching for something more. There's no place for me to stop, Gloria. There's no place to get off this ship. We got to sail it. We got to take it all the way. There's no place to give up. There's no place to quit. I think about all the people that have been in this house and stopped that halfway house. I said, oh God, give us grace. Give us grace to make it. Would you stand with me? So Nehemiah, you got to make a choice. You got to make a decision, Nehemiah. What are you going to do with Sanballat and Tobiah? I'll tell you what Nehemiah did. He prayed. (laughs) Everybody say, he prayed. He prayed. And then I'll tell you what turned the corner. The scripture says in verse 13, he set the people according to their families and their swords and spears and bows. And I looked to the nobles and the leaders and the rest of the people I said, don't be afraid of those critics. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And this is the compelling vision. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your own houses. The Bible said every man got a sword in one hand. And got an implement to build the wall with the other. Don't you know that was a sight? Here's Sanballat and Tobiah coming up the wall. And they're hacking and stabbing at those guys. And say, give me another brick. <laughs> Praise God. Give me another brick. They're still building the wall. And that's about the way it is, isn't it? Amen. We're praying and we're seeking God and we're still protecting our families and we're still living for the Lord and we're building a children's center and we're expanding our sanctuary and the city's fighting us, but they got a fight on their hand. (laughs) What a picture! I wish I could, I wish I had a sword for everybody in this house today. What is the sword? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. What is the trial? It's your offering, it's your faithfulness, it's your perseverance. The Lord be with you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord protect you. What great work has God called you to? I come against discouragement. I come against a satisfaction of incompleteness. Paul came to the Galatians and said, you were running so well. What stopped you at halfway house? 
You were doing so good. God is calling someone right now to finish. God's calling somebody to finish. Don't stop obeying. Don't stop growing. Don't stop maturing. Don't stop developing. Don't sit here and say, I've done everything. I've said everything. I've read everything. I've felt everything. I've seen everything that God has for me. I'm going to tell you, you can mark an X on your calendar. That's the day you begin to die. When you are satisfied, when you are contented, when there's no more mountains for you to climb, I'm telling you, there's a mountain for you to climb. There's a mountain for this church to climb, and it's called making disciples of all nations and reaching this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, shake yourself right now. Lift your hands to the Lord. And say, God, amen, I'm back in the fight right now. As of right now, I'm coming out of halfway house. As of right now, Lord, I'm not satisfied. Lord, I've got a hold of something bigger than me. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody would just cry out. I wish somebody would just cry out. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, like Nehemiah, we're going to get back up on the wall. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose. We're not stopping. God's going to do miracles today and tomorrow. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Come on, somebody get a sword out. Get a trial out. Say, God, I'm going to help build this wall. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. Come on, that's it. We're starting a breakthrough right now. We're starting to break through right now in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody, just have a prayer meeting right now. Just say, I'm going to pray till I pray through. I'm going to pray till I touch God. I'm going to pray and declare. I'm going to declare who I am in Christ. Come on, the devil's a liar. Hallelujah.
This altar is open right now for anyone who's feeling the pull, who's feeling the challenge, who's ready to commit, amen, to do some great thing for God. Situations aren't perfect. Circumstances aren't exactly the way you'd like for them to be, but there's never going to be a perfect time to do what God has called you to do. I invite you to come forward in this altar. I invite you right now to step forward and say, God, I'm going to reach for something great. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm coming out of my halfway house right now. I'm stepping out in faith. Oh, God, that's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Let's seek the Lord right now. Let's put our lives in his hands right now. Let's trust the Lord for great things. Amen. In the name of the Lord. Yes, I will, Lord. Yes, I will, Lord. In Jesus' name.